Ready, set, go! Many of you are very environmentally aware and are pro-renewables. I'm pro-keeping the lights on, and if it's renewables that do it, then all right. Actually, to be honest, I'm more pro-renewables than I was when I started the podcast, and I am a big proponent of battery storage. I am environmentally aware, but it doesn't define my being. I definitely think that there is a balance to be had in our energy portfolio, and we are slowly getting there. That being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the EV Diaries. This is the place where we discuss EVs in small-town America. I am Ben. I am a senior distribution engineer for an electric cooperative in southeastern Kentucky, an EV enthusiast, owner, and evangelist. Also, anything I say today is not a reflection of my employer and is solely my opinion. Anytime you hear me say those words, it can only mean one thing. I'm going to talk about utilities. I try to keep up with the utility news. After all, it helps me do my job better and gives me insight into what's going on outside of southeastern Kentucky. It may not seem like it, but the electricity segment of America has been negatively impacted by COVID-19, just as most other segments in our economy. The shutdown caused much of the commercial loads to just dry up, as one would expect. Of course, Much of this will be relatively short-term, but some of it will have lasting effects on the overall grid. I have a collection of stories, many based on reports from the Energy Information Administration that paint a picture of the pandemic, but it also signals what the overall future of the electric grid in America may look like. The first thing is that coal usage is expected to drop 24% this year. Again, that's expected with the shutdown, but before the pandemic hit, coal was on the decline and solar was seeing its largest growth ever. I have an article flagged, but I wasn't able to find it this morning, that suggested that solar is cheaper now more than ever, and this is a big key to its new success. Secondly, from the EIA, that solar is expected to dip because construction has slowed down. Again, that is to be expected, but if you read between the lines, there's a large portion of new construction that is including solar in its design. Third, with solar, I hope anyway, comes storage. I've said it before, you can't control when the sun shines or the wind blows, but you can control when a battery discharges. I'm a big proponent of battery storage. It's a great emergency backup for your home, and it allows you to control when you use the electricity you get from your renewables. In Kentucky, as in most states, we have a net metering law which says that if you have renewables, that utilities have to buy back the excess energy you produce. In Kentucky, the rate used to be the retail rate, but now the PSC is setting the amount because of an argument about cost shifting between the haves and the have-nots. We've had that discussion before, and we won't re-examine it here. 
Now, there is some federal legislation that's being proposed that would make net metering a national law, which would bolster solar even more. The biggest opposition, if you can believe this, has been from individual states citing states' rights. Utilities have mostly been silent. But anyway, if this net metering bill is approved, this would also bolster the wind and the occasional private hydroelectric uh, projects as well. Unfortunately, however, laws and lawmakers like to complicate issues. Take, for example, the recent FERC PJM minimum price offer rule. Now, FERC is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and we've mentioned them several times. Anyway, this minimum offer price rule, or MOPR, impacts the capacity market, which is pretty complicated anyway. PJM, which is a large regional transmission organization, they control the wholesale energy market for 13 states and Washington, D.C. PJM holds an annual auction to secure energy contracts for two years into the future to determine what the capacity of the grid will be. Now, historically, large-scale solar and wind farms that were getting subsidies could underbid fossil fuels because of the subsidies. Naturally, coal and natural gas called a foul, and now we have this MOPR rule. It basically says to keep it fair, renewables that are getting subsidies must have a minimum price, which, according to them, they think suppresses their ability to operate and compete in the capacity market. Like I said, this stuff is sticky, it's complicated, and it's full of unintended consequences. But getting back to the energy portfolio, the bottom line is that coal is shrinking, renewables and storage is growing. It was a trend that was happening before the pandemic, and it will continue after the pandemic. And Actually, I think it may happen faster now, and here's why. We've seen Tesla stocks soar, breaking the 400-mile barrier on a charge and the million-mile battery. Nikola and Lucid are starting to get noticed, and EVs are making more news and drawing more attention than ever before. This, too, has expanded conversations about renewables, among the more common people and not just the free thinkers in our society. So at least the average Joe is becoming at least curious about renewables. Unfortunately, there are many sources of misinformation out there. There were so many articles on how the pandemic would kill EVs and renewables when in fact the work at home movement seems to prove that they're even more viable. Uh, Recently, there's been so many battery articles, and they are all saying cheaper, faster, better. And this is becoming the dawning of energy enlightenment for some people. And let's look at the the overall, what I think the pandemic has done to America. I would venture to say that the pandemic has shrunk America. It's one of the few times that something has had the same impact on small-town America as it has in the metropolitan centers on the coast. Granted, impact has been greater with the population density 
in the metropolitan areas, but the anxiety levels have been the same. And it has opened the eyes to pollution because everyone, regardless of where you are, has seen cleaner air and more people are now getting outside their homes and they're taking notice of the environment around them. Um, And let's face it, a lot of people are exercising because there's nothing better to do. Um, There's no distractions from this. And it gives them a source of interaction, albeit six feet away. And six feet isn't much, but I've noticed that uh, I'm speaking to people that I don't know that are perfect strangers as I've been out and about running and uh, exercising. And I guess it's just as a nod of an encouragement to say, hey, you know, we're not alone. But anyway, people are starting to take notice of the environment more than ever. And any positive news stories that we can get on EVs and renewables, the better off we are. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about this... um, I won't say it was a hatchet piece by Fox News, but boy, it feels that way. It sounds that way. And we'll get into that next episode. Tomorrow, I'm making my journey to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for an overnight stay at the Gatlinburg Inn. My goal is to try to keep my I-3 on battery the entire time. But if I have to, I will use the range extender to keep my state of charge above 15 or 20 percent the trip is 160 miles or so stopping at two dc fast chargers along the way one of the fast chargers is actually about 10 miles out of the way the longest leg of the trip should be about 72 miles of interstate travel over a mountain i figured that might be pushing the limits of my battery i've identified a few level two chargers to help me out once I get there. Hit that subscribe button. And remember, the EV revolution is here. Renewables will make it much better. It's a fun ride.